Well, this is a great privilege to be here with you. Um, our home is Spencerport, New York, on the Erie Canal. And uh, I got saved when I was at Brockport, New York, just a, a town west on the Erie Canal. Went to State University there and uh, got ministered to by a, a young student who was from Hicksville, New York. And uh, he had gotten saved through a Billy Graham crusade on TV, and he came to, came to college, and I was a freshman stuck in a triple. So there were seven of us in a suite, and I was in one little room with three in a room. And Gary would begin to talk to me about his faith and my faith, question me about what I believed, and he, uh, he provoked me. I would argue with him so much. And uh, God surprised me by drying up everything I was pursuing for pleasure and making it not very pleasant any longer and uh, put a hunger and a thirst in my heart. And it was in the 70s. And that's when there was a great move of God on the campus. We were getting, after we got saved, we started a campus ministry and we were getting about 150 students on a Friday night, 120 students on a Friday night to a small little church. And I invited Alan to come out to uh, visit, and uh, he got on a bus from B Buffalo and came to Brockport, and uh, he had long hair down to his shoulders and this funny hat he would wear, and uh, uh, he was really weird. <laughs> and uh, he actually sat next to a Satanist on the bus, and this guy freaked him out. I mean, God used this guy to just get him so ready. And... Uh, it was, uh, it was a Christian concert, and there wasn't like Hillsong and all these other, you know, care, uh, all these Christian artists. It was just starting contemporary Christian music. So we had this guy, Mike Johnson, and uh, it's a slow train coming. I think that was his album or something like that. And uh, Alan was the only one that responded to the altar call, and he got saved that night. And so we took him upstairs into the dorm, and we, we threw him in a bathtub and baptized him in a bathtub and sent him back to Buffalo, and he became a youth pastor at a Christian Missionary Alliance church, a youth leader, and then eventually uh, went on to college and got involved in Newark. And see, one person, God saving one person, changing one life, can affect so many different people in your life. The sphere that you have, when you share the Lord with one person, you don't know what's going to happen. I think a shoe salesman shared Jesus with D.L. Moody, and look what happened with his ministry. It just blossomed. So you never can tell how one life can change a whole community. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to t uh, talk today about staying on target. And uh, the scriptures that uh, the Lord put on my heart was from 1 Timothy, but... I'm going to start with Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants. You know, it's so easy in ministry to have our heart get calloused over because of the work that we're involved in. You know, we get so involved in the goal of what God has given us, the vision that's before us, that we forget the one who gave the vision. And it's so important that we refresh ourselves. So this whole time of season of, of seeking God, of fasting and prayer, of, 
of drawing near to God is so important. See, I got to a season in my walk with the Lord where uh, we're involved in pro-life ministry for nearly 20 years, full-time. And uh, we would be at the clinics and we would have people yell at us and curse us and we'd do different things to try to change women's lives and men's lives and babies' lives and save them. And we really believed it was a gospel ministry because it was a very dark place that needed the light and the love of Jesus to shine forth. But, you know, it's very easy to get kind of into a justice mentality and forget the mercies of God. You know what the scripture says in, in the Old Testament? Over and over and over and over it says, Bless the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. It doesn't say his power endures forever. It doesn't say his justice endures forever. It says his mercy endures forever. And I would found myself becoming less and less merciful as I went through pursuing the goal that God had given to me. It became a real work to the point where I had to just stop. God just put a stop in my spirit. And I just got quiet with him one morning. And I said, Lord, you know, when you get honest with the Lord, it's a real good thing to do because he knows everything anyway. So when we get honest with him, when we really tell him where we're, we're at or he reveals where we're at, it's good. So I just had to, I said to him, Lord, I don't know how to love you. I know how to work for you, I think. I can relate to you as my captain, the one that's you know, calling me into the ministry and, and giving me this charge, but I don't have this love relationship with you. I don't understand how to really love you and just be with you. I can be with the Yankees, and I can be with the Buffalo Bills, and I can get excited about all this stuff, but, and I could get excited when Alan asked me to go golfing, but... Prayer meeting? Not so much. I don't understand. So he just began to refresh my spirit through worship, through ministers that came into my life. It's so important to draw near to the God because he will circumcise your heart. He'll cut away that hard, calloused areas in our lives that circumstances bring in, that past wounds that have never really been healed are covered over with. And he circumcises our hearts so we can love him with a true heart. And he desires that. The other scripture I wanted to look at was in 1 Timothy. You know, Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus, and it was a real place of revival. There's the stories in Acts where they took all their occult books and had a giant bonfire and all their idols and everything and really turned to the Lord with all their mind, soul, strength. But there's something that came in. There was all this stuff about genealogies and teachings, and they forgot the first command, which was to love out of a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith, from which some have strayed and have turned to idle talk. So what is it that will help us stay on target? How do I do this? Just point. Oh, I got to turn it on. I had turned it off so I wouldn't wear the battery out. There we go. There we go. So he's commanding Timothy, who he sent to Ephesus, 
He's saying, listen, don't teach any other doctrine. But just remind people the purpose of this commandment I'm giving you is to remember to love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. You know, there's such a thing as, um, how many of you have a GPS? Okay. How many of you can read a map? I used to be able to read a map. Okay. But um, now we're so dependent on GPS, and, and it uses a system of triangulation. And triangulation is the operation of finding a position or a location by means of bearings from two fixed points a known distance apart. It uses trigonometry. It's used in the navigation of aircraft, boats, and now cars, and even people. When you're walking in Manhattan, if you want to know where to go, you can use your phone, you know. It'll show you where you are. And these scriptures, these three points, I believe, is a point of triangulation that will help us find where we are and stay on target with our walk with the Lord. How many of you want to get to the finish line? Right? You want to get to the finish line. You want to find your way to the purpose and destiny that God has for us and eventually get to heaven for that reward. Well, this scripture gives us a way of triangulating, of finding where we are. Do we have a love out of a pure heart? Do we have a pure and good conscience? Are we operating from sincere faith? I want to look at these three things. How are we doing? How are our vital relationships with Jesus in our marriage? with our spouse, with our children? How are our relationships with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, doing? Are we connected? Because the scripture warns us in 1 Corinthians 10. It says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So love is so important. I would be, you know, a couple years ago, I would say justice was so important. Being just, being right was so important. But I come to understand that the greatest of these is love. The Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. So the first point I want to make is, the first point of triangulation is that scripture regarding love. Whereas the object and purpose of our instruction and charge is love. You know, the example that Jesus gave us of this love was amazing. His love for humanity and his demonstration of love. You know, Jesus didn't just pop on the scene a 33-year-old and say, let's just get this over. Go on, beat me up, put me on the cross. It's over, it's done, it's completed. I've done it. I'm going back to heaven. If you want to follow me, come on, get on board. No, he went through every stage of development. He was conceived of the Virgin Mary, a small, little speck of life. I was talking to the, to the Bible study group downstairs, they've done scientific evidence that when the sperm and the egg connect, 
They've got a picture of a flash of light, a spark of light emanating when the sperm and the egg actually unite. Life begins at that point. You are a human being at that point. Jesus went through that gateway to the earth. And he was born and went through the birth canal, went through the whole process of gestation, his physical body, and then was birthed, swaddled as an infant, nursed by Mary, went through every stage of development, was an adult, a young adult, learned a trade, interacted with business people, bought supplies, talked with his neighbors, had friends as he was growing up. Because God loves humanity. He connected with us. He loved us so much that he took on the form of humanity. Fully God, fully man. Tempted in every point as we are, yet without sin. Scripture in Isaiah says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject wrong and choose the right. He went through the process of learning, but without sin. In Hebrews 5, it says this, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions and fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. He was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Love was demonstrated by God in that he remained here on earth for 33 years. He went through every stage of maturity, conception, birth, infancy, teen, young adult, lost his stepfather, rejection, misunderstanding, hatred, betrayal, and then a horrible, horrible death. All without sin, fully God and fully man. See, pure love, which is what we're called to do, is outward focused. Human love often turns inward. Even the best relationships, we have that motivation of, you know, what's in it for me? You know, I'll be nice to you if you be nice to me. It can even weasel its way into our marriage. I'll be nice to you if you be nice to me. You're not going to be nice to me. I might not be so nice to you. Our love sometimes becomes a barter relationship. But Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And Jesus was selfless in his love, and he calls us to bear his image and to walk in that way. And he gives an illustration in Luke 10. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood to, up to the test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? See, Jesus often answered a question with a question. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the story goes on. 
And this man goes to justify himself and ask Jesus another question. Well, who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? You know the story of the Good Samaritan? The man who is on business trip and, the, and he is robbed, beaten, left for dead. And the priest and the Levite, the religious leader, the, the, the community leader sees him and passes by on the other side. And a Samaritan who was the Jew's enemy, kind of the outcast, sees him, picks him up, puts him on his donkey. Let's, let's modernize it puts him in his Ford GT Mustang on the front seat with the blood coming out of him, uh, drives to the, to the Holiday Inn, tells the guy, listen, get the doctor, I'll pay it, here's my American Express card, you keep it, I'll be coming back next week, anything this guy needs, you give to him, and if, he, if, if, my, if you exceed my limit, I'll come with more. But you're going to take care of this guy. Totally selfless in his love, totally giving in his love. God's love is that way, and he calls us to live in that way. He continued to live that way, even to his death. Beaten beyond recognition, carrying a heavy cross, nailed to that cross, hanging in the beating sun, thirsty, when the thief turns to him and says, begins to mock him, and the other guy on the other side of him said, don't you fear God? This guy's done nothing wrong. And he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Selfless love, even in the midst of great torment and heartache, disillusionment, betrayal, continuing to give of himself, turning to his disciple, John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. Take care of her, John, for me. Serving his disciples when he knew what he was going to be experiencing a few hours later, washing their feet, even greeting Judas, the one that would betray him, and washing his feet. John says it this way, love was demonstrated by acts and works. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for one's friends. You know, you ever uh, talk to um, army soldiers or, or veterans that have gone through combat, and they say, I was watching this story about uh, the battle at Chosen in, in, in the Korean War, horrible, horrible uh, uh, battle that the Marines fought and had to retreat from this reservoir, being surrounded by, by enemy forces. And uh, they said, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm not fighting for the global good. I'm fighting for my friend next to me in the foxhole. They would fight, and they would live, and they would sacrifice, not for this ethereal type of goal, to win this giant war, but they would fight and they would lay down their lives for one another. They would do it individually. And I believe this is something that Jesus was, was portraying. He says, listen, I'm going to lay my life down for you, John, for you, Peter, 
for you, Simon. I'm laying my life down for my friends. He had become connected to these, his friends. I think the betrayal of Judas was hurtful, even though he knew it would happen. He had invested in him. He wasn't just a cog in a machine to get a goal done. He was a relationship that he had built, that he had poured into. I'm sure they had laughed together. And Jesus was saying, listen, I'm laying my life down for you. How much more do we need to do this for ourselves, for us in, in the church family? It's not just a church, it's a family. It's not just members, it's brothers and sisters in Christ. Romans 5 puts it this way, but God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him by the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Doesn't this make you want to love him more? Knowing what he did for us, knowing that he poured himself out for us. So we need to settle it in a heart that we are loved. We're freed to be vulnerable, to love others. And this is our mark. This is the mark of Christians. We don't just love those that love us. We're called to love those who hate us, those who seek to use us. We're called to love them. And that is a supernatural call that needs a supernatural God living through us. Jesus, who did it while he lived on the earth, he does it through us as we live on the earth, if we allow him to. That's the first point of triangulation, walking in love, continuing to walk in love, continuing to be vulnerable, continuing to connect with others. You know, we're at the clinic at Planned Parenthood a couple times a week, and the Lord has established a relationship with the security guard. And it's funny, I didn't know his name, but I brought Julianne, our youngest daughter, who has Down syndrome. She's 23 now. She brought her little guitar. I said, hey, this is my daughter, Julianne. And he goes, well, hi, Julianne. My name is Patrick. So I found out his name. I didn't know his name before. And uh, I just connected with him. His, he has a son who's going to drill sergeant school. And he told me where. And right on the news, I heard that this fort, there was a terrible accident. There was a, a march of soldiers going on a 20-mile march. And there were supply trucks behind them. And one of the drivers fell asleep and ran over all these soldiers. And, and a few of them were killed. And immediately I thought of Patrick, and I thought of his son. I said, oh, Lord, please help Patrick's son. So I saw him the next Thursday. I said, Patrick, what's, what's happening with your son? Because I heard about this horrible accident in one of the forts, Fort Jackson. He says, oh, yeah, my son was there. I said, I prayed for him. He said, well, thank you so much. You see, he saw it all happen. He was just a few yards away from it. And it just opened up a door of conversation. I've been talking with him, and I say, Patrick, when are you going to quit this place? You know, there's plenty of places where you can get work. 
you don't need to work here. You know, when you quit, when you give your notice, let me know, because we're going to go out and we're going to celebrate that you're leaving this place. And he starts laughing. It's just a way to connect with people. And I'm just learning that love covers a multitude of sin. Amen? And it's winsome. And God loves to love people. He wants to pour himself through us. Second point of triangulation is a good conscience. Whereas the object and purpose of our instruction and charge is love, which springs from a pure heart and a clear or good conscience. You know, when I think of conscience, I think of one character, Jiminy Cricket. Alan and I had this long plain record. Do you know what a record is? It actually is a disc with vinyl and a real groove in it. And there was a picture book, and it was really big, and it was the story of Pinocchio, and Jiminy Cricket was on that, and he had this song, Always Let Your Conscience Be Your Guide. And um, he was on that record, and he was in the picture book. Our conscience is the inner feeling or voice viewed as acting as a guide to rightness and wrongness of one's behavior. Our conscience is to be informed by those that raise us, when your parents correct you, they're informing your conscience to right and wrong. It's also to be trained by the word of God because God has a standard and we're accountable to that standard. And one day we're going to give an account to the judge of all the universe of how we lived in our bodies on this life. It's appointed unto man to die once and then comes the judgment. It says in Hebrews. And it's more important than, it's, SATs are important, but this is really a higher test even than an SAT. But it's, it's important that we prepare now for that day because there won't be any retests. You don't get a second chance. Our conscience is trained by God's truth. Our conscience is funny. You know, I still remember this, this thing that happened to me when I was a kid. You know how you do, you do stupid things when you're a kid and you do dares? Well, we would catch, we would catch things and uh, we'd, put, we'd put little grasshoppers in, in nuts and tape them in there and then shoot them up into space like with a sling and see how they survived when they landed. But I remember this one thing, there was this frog and all our friends were watching it and they said, somebody step on that thing. And I did it. I felt terrible. Immediately, I felt like I had done something horrible, and I did. I mean, it was one thing to eat a frog leg. I mean, that's food. But just to kill something just for the sake of killing it, that was wrong. It, my conscience just was... <laughs> did you ever do something like that where you knew immediately that you had done something that wasn't quite right? That's your conscience. So he says in 1 Timothy... He goes on and says this. Holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, and so have suffered shipwreck with the regard to their faith. Our conscience is so important to stay on track. To ignore or disregard your conscience is dangerous. It's a God-given gift. It separates us from the animals. We are not animals. We're a special creation of God. So we're to love, we're to have a good conscience, and to keep ourselves from shipwreck. 
How many of you know people that, whose faith have become shipwrecked? Horrible stories, terrible stories. Okay? But we don't have to go that way. God has made a way for us to walk through this life with victory. It's so important that we stay connected to one another and become teachable and receive from one another what we need. The last point in triangulation is having a sincere faith. Whereas the object and purpose of our instruction and charge is love, which springs from a pure heart, a good and clear conscience, and sincere and unfeigned faith. Let me just say this about conscience. You know the way to clear your conscience? Confess. Confession to Jesus, admitting when we're wrong. One of, the, one of the deadliest poisons that you can take into your life is pride, and pride will keep you from confessing. Pride will keep you from the altar. Pride will keep you from admitting any wrong. But our conscience can be cleared through a simple confession. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we have a fault that we can't overcome, we go to somebody that's stronger than us, a leader, and we say, will you pray for me? I need help in this area. And you make confession in this area. I can't get over this thing. Help me. Pray with me. And the Lord says that things do break. Things change. Our conscience is so important that he's made a way for us to get it rehabilitated and strengthened. Well, sincere faith is faith linked to action. It's not just a feeling. Insincere faith is talk without appropriate action. Love and faith are not feelings. They're action words. They're verbs. And faith, true faith, works through love. It's just a picture of James. Faith just got real. The guy's hands are dirty because he's working. Life gets dirty sometimes. Situations get hard. But faith means that we stay to it. We keep our hand on the plow and we keep moving ahead. 1 John 3, 16 through 19, and we're getting ready to close. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. But whoever has this world goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and we shall sure our hearts before him. Sincere faith is action, and you, many of you participated this weekend in taking action, putting feet to your faith, giving to the missions that were shared with us in Myanmar and in China. It's so important. It's so important what we invest in. It's so important when you... When you come in prayer meeting and seek God and draw near to him, it says that he draws near to you. But we're actually coming into the presence of the living God to make petitions. 
just like Esther came into the king's chambers. She didn't know if she was going to live or not. But we can come boldly to his throne of grace to receive help in our time of need. It's so important. There's something that happens when we come together as a church family to seek his face. It's putting feet to our faith. It's working to draw near to him. So let's conclude this. Do you want to know where you are in your walk and your life in Christ? Love is the first test. Walking in love, having a pure love. You want to know how you're doing and how well you love? Ask your family. Dads, ask your family, how am I doing? Wife, how am I doing? Husband, how am I doing? In your church, how well are you connected to your church family? Do you have a church family? Do you have, can you identify your church family members? Do you know them? Are you connected with them as brothers and sisters? Have you been willing to get rid of the impediments that cut us off from one another? And ask God to forgive and ask God to change and teach us how to love. You know, it says God is love. If you need help in loving, ask him and he will, he will help you. He will show you how to do it. Is your conscience good? Are you holding grudges? If you saw a person walking down the street, would you cross the street? Would you walk the other way if you saw them? Is your conscience and your ability to sense the Spirit of God, it's connected to that pure conscience. To focus on relationships is so important. And lastly, sincere faith. Does your faith work? Have you put your hand to the plow in God's kingdom? Is your faith leading you to serve others? How are you doing in your service to others? That's a part of our faith. Let's pray. Let's just stand up and pray. Ask God to help us triangulate our positions before him. Lord, we come to you and we acknowledge that uh, the busyness of life and the allurements of our world and where we live today, Lord, the riches, the blessings that we get. Um, you told Israel, when you have all these blessings, watch out, lest they turn your heart from, from me. So, Lord, we want our hearts to be circumcised, full of the love of God, full of the love of the brethren, Lord God, having a sincere faith, willing to work with you.